Hello and welcome to another audio-only WTF1 podcast. My name is Katie and it's another race week and this time F1 is heading down under to Australia. Now, F1 Race Week is not the only exciting thing to be addressed on this podcast because we have a very special edition joining me on the podcast this week, and that is Hannah, our WTF1 editorial assistant. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are? Talk to us. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here and get to be part of the podcast. So my name's Hannah Pruddach. Don't worry, as a joke, no one can pronounce it, so I'm Hannah the Welsh font, everyone. But I work as the WTF1 editor assistant, so we're doing kind of writing up stories for the website and then covering a little bit of social and script writing and all things like that. I kind of joke all of us at WTF1, I kind of have a jack of all trades, doing exactly. everything and everything. And then, yeah, and so I basically came from a background of most sports journalism covering Formula 2 and Formula E, and then now I'm here and loving life. Now you're here and we're never going to let you go. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's brilliant to um, have you on the podcast. It's very exciting. And yes, people that listen to the podcast regularly will know that I cannot even pronounce normal surnames. I'm not saying your surname is not normal, by the way, <laughs> just like panic <laughs> intensifies. But yeah, your your surname is incredibly difficult to pronounce. I have tried many a time, both sober and maybe after a few drinks doesn't help but <laughs> yeah we'll we'll refer to you as Hannah or Hannah the Welsh one as she said earlier um now we're going to be talking about the Australian Grand Prix today Hannah because it is race week we're finally racing again in Melbourne I'm personally very excited for it because I really like the track I know that's a bit of an unpopular opinion and we'll talk about that later um but we haven't actually had any racing in Melbourne since 2019, mainly because of the pandemic, well, literally entirely down to the pandemic. Um, So let's talk a bit about 2020, because that's when the pandemic sort of cancelled the first Australian Grand Prix. What can you remember from that time? Because it is a weird one to look back on. To be honest, it feels like a bit of a haze, like another lifetime ago. I was thinking about it the other day. It just seemed... We've seen surreal moments in F1 before. We've seen freak weather events and things like that. But it was just one of the moments where it felt like this would... I think a couple of sporting events had been cancelled before it, but it felt like the first pretty big major thing to be cancelled as a result of um, coronavirus pandemic. And I think the difficult thing for me was, obviously, being in the UK, we were waking up to this news and it all kicked off whilst we were all asleep. I'm thinking what on earth has gone here? How was it suddenly? Especially because it seemed like it was going, it was on again, it was off again. It just felt like it was flip-flopping and was never sure. And I think the interesting thing is when you go back and watch Drive to Survive and how much you didn't see. And I think it was strange seeing as well the impact it had on all of the personnel involved in F1. I think it's quite strange how the whole situation unfolded. I think there's still a lot of unanswered questions over how that race unfolded that we'll probably never find out now. It's a very good point. Yeah. Like you say, Drive to Survive was a really interesting insight into everything that went on there. Um, So yeah, we didn't have any racing there. Obviously pretty unfortunate for not only all the fans that paid and went to go and see it, but all the personnel that had traveled around. Um, So yeah, pandemic canceled the 2020 Australian Grand Prix and we haven't been back since. So the last time we actually had cars on track was in 2019 and 
For an Australian Grand Prix, it was fairly eventful. We had Hamilton starting on pole, but it was his teammate Valtteri Bottas that took the race win, winning by 20 seconds, which is a pretty dominant victory. So nice one for Valtteri, probably nice memories coming here. Home hero, Daniel Ricciardo, he had a nightmare start. He just joined Renault mm. and it was all, you know, brand new start, fresh fresh slate, all this kind of stuff. And he managed to completely obliterate his front wing almost seconds into the race after getting a bit of contact with Perez and basically going onto the grass. And I think he hit some sort of tarmac, I don't know, on the side of the track and he eventually DNF from the race and we had power unit problems for Carlos Sainz and Grosjean had another front tire issue um, and retired from his third consecutive Australian Grand Prix. So he's probably quite glad he's not coming back because he's got the worst luck around here. Um, But yeah, what did you think about um, the cars on track last time in 2019 or any kind of Australian Grand Prix highlights or moments that come to mind when you think of Oz? Every time I think of Australia, I just think Daniel Ricciardo is cursed to that track. The man has just had the thing that always flashed back to my mind. And Kevin Magnusson, I'm pretty sure, will be overjoyed to be going back. Obviously, the place where he got his first podium on his debut back in 2014, when Ricciardo got disqualified. And I just think, if you're McLaren, keep that man away from grids. Black cats mirrors the works. To be honest, it probably can't get any more worse than it is at the moment for them. So it's a bit of a thing but I think it's interesting as well having it this time around with Australia normally being the first race on the calendar whether for me personally the hype was always the season was getting underway and not specifically Australia itself was actually now I think it's quite interesting having that hype to go to it to actually see the fans again and have that experience but it's one of them tracks where it's not a bad track but it isn't my favourite. I think, as we saw back in 2019, I think it kind of exemplified all of the problems. You've got a track that's been unchanged pretty much since it debuted in 96. I wasn't, you know how old it is? I wasn't even born when this track debuted. I was one. (laughs) You were what? But but yeah, it's a long time. Yeah. Like if you think of anything else that's been around that long, they've had changes elsewhere. And I just think for the track, it was... It always felt like the issues that they had and stuff, a lot of teeth and issues, drivers getting back into it, but now having the third race in, what other potential hiccups, like you mentioned, Carlos Sainz having PE problems, you've now got a situation of Alonso taking his third power unit. Could we see this track now with the increasing speeds causing more power unit problems for drivers up and down the grid? So for once, I'm actually excited. Wow, I'll take that. Well, I'm I enjoy the Australian Grand Prix. Whether that is like you say, because I normally associate it with it being the first race of the season and it's all very exciting. I also just love Australia. Like I really want to become like an honorary Australian. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Aussies, but I just love them and I gravitate towards Australian people I think they're such fun and a great laugh so um I am so desperate to get myself to the Australian Grand Prix one year I'll make it happen I will um but yeah it is I I think it's it's a good track I really I'm a sucker for a street circuit I know it's not quite as twisty and turny as we see in other street circuits but sometimes that's a beneficial thing because it means we actually get to see some overtaking um and yeah, I feel like it might not be at the top of everybody's favourite, but I feel like it delivers every so often like a, a good race. Um, but yeah. maybe it's just the early starts make me a bit delusional, <laughs> Hannah. I, um, <laughs> I'm a bit undecided now. 
but I always kind of say with I don't I'm not gonna say I absolutely hate the track I think there are a lot worse calendars not a lot worse tracks on the calendar and it's one of the better hybrids between having that mix of public roads and car parks I think they how they build it and how they do it so quickly is massively impressive to me I'm just I just think the way it was if we were going back to the old track with the new cars, would it feel underwhelming given the overall we've had? Now is kind of the perfect time to have changed things because it's new cars. It's a new future for the Australian Grand Prix. And I think not having it on the calendar as well has kind of increased everyone's excitement to have it back. And it proves maybe why there's an argument for having those rotating tracks on the calendar. Although I wouldn't want, wouldn't want Australia to be one because I think we need one down that neck of the woods. <laughs> Danny so Rick like, fans will be outside your house with yeah. pitchforks if you say that you yeah. don't want an Australian Grand Prix. <laughs> oh, um, those Aussies love it. So I'll, I, I definitely, the atmosphere is, it is one of the best tracks for atmosphere and it's on my wish list to go to. Yeah, it looks amazing. Um, so we've spoken about if we like the racing there and also the fact that, yes, going into 2022, there have been some circuit changes. I don't know what's going on outside my flat. I don't even know if you can hear it, but there's somebody very excited about the Aussie GP circuit changes. Uh, so the funny thing is these changes were announced last year on April Fool's Day, which didn't help when I was like, oh, I'm going to do an article on that. And then loads of people are like, oh, yeah, you know, Australian Grand Prix is finally having changes. Ha <laughs> ha. Good one. And I was like, no, genuinely, like <laughs> this is happening. Um, so let's go through some of these changes because lots of questions people are asking as to whether we think it will you know, increase overtaking. That's one of their promises and just make for better racing. Um, so let's get this one out of the way because let's be honest, it's not really going to make too much of a difference. Pit lane has been widened by two meters, which could mean that we see a pit lane speed limit increase. So maybe some quicker lap times if cars aren't having to go through it so slowly. But realistically, that's like the least big change that is important. Mm. Um, the things that lots of people are talking about. So turns nine and 10, probably would help because this is this is only audio maybe pull up an Australian Grand Prix map while you're listening to this or maybe just close your eyes and visualize it like you're playing the F1 game um <laughs> but yeah turns nine and ten are usually a heavy braking zone followed by a tight right-hander but this is going to be altered and instead made into a flowing and faster right left sweeping sequence Hannah what do you think to those changes do you think that sounds like a good change a bad change or are you going to wait to see it in action to make up your mind I'm excited by the prospect of the changes I think the one thing I am waiting for is how many times in the comms booth are they going to call turns 9 and 10 turns 11 and 12 because that's what they used to be known as and I think that's going to catch a few people out but I think the fact that you're now going to have that big flat out section kind of going from turn six all the way now down to turn 10 high speeds I think they're pulling like over 5G at this point. So poor Kevin Magnuson's neck is going to be killing oh, him by yeah. the end of the race. <laughs> and add it for the potential to add the extra DRS zone along the back straight. It should, that combined with the way the cars are able to kind of battle each other now, should see plenty of opportunities. And I think that was one of the most necessary changes. The pit lane thing, probably not, obviously, as you said, not as interesting. I think, I think for what I've heard that they will be increasing the pit lane speed. So it'll give the strategists a few more options, but it'll be curious to see whether that impacts them on the pit stops because we've seen a few issues crop up there. The one thing I'm happy just for is that they've resurfaced everything. Yeah, that's very <laughs> true. 
it's looking very smooth and sleek from the, uh, mm. you know, things I've seen from the Australian Grand Prix social media or their YouTube accounts. Just shout out as well to the Australian Grand Prix Twitter account, especially. I'm still adamant that they are the best circuit social media team around. They are a star. Um, but we're not just here to talk about you- that to your accounts. <laughs> Just be like, Australia Grand Prix, send Katie to the next race. Well, they followed me on Twitter like a few weeks ago or a few months ago even. And I am such a nerd that I've got like all of the teams and some of the like circuit Twitter accounts with like notifications turned on. So every time they tweet, I get a notification because I'm sad. And um, uh, one of them was the Australian Grand Prix. So when they followed me back, I was like, oh my God, like fangirling the circuit account have followed me back. <laughs> and a few times now, like they've replied to one of my tweets or I've replied to them and people have like started conspiracy theories in the comments to be like katie to australian grand prix confirmed and i'm like oh my <laughs> gosh <laughs> so i don't know ausgp twitter account admin if you're listening hook me up babes that would be lovely <laughs> <laughs> um so circuit changes because that's what we're here to talk about always goes off on a tangent whenever i do one of these and um so yeah cars will carry this newfound speed into turns 11 and 12 before encountering turn 13 that will also be adjusted the corner will be made wider and have a camber added to encourage the drivers to take different racing lines and welcome overtaking opportunities that's what us f1 fans want to hear overtaking opportunities um do you think we're going to be seeing a lot of overtakes there hannah especially with these new cars because they look like they're actually maybe delivering on their promises of being able to overtake more i reckon so given the kind of changes you see elsewhere in the circuit that can back and will be the prominent place for a lot of the drivers to overtake. Obviously, having more lines as an option and the fact with turn 13, it's widened on the inside, heading to the apex. So whoever's defending is going to have a lot more problems trying to keep the other car behind. So I think with that potential overtaking, but then whether they try and get them back, go down into the DRS zone, could we end up with a Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc style cat and mouse games? I think we'll see mm. that in a few spots this time around. I think... It is an exciting prospect. I must I must say they've done a full-scale kind of adjustment to it. They've not just tweaked one or two little things. They've actually gone. There's lots of issues and how... I think sometimes when tracks change corners, they think of that corner in isolation. And that's the interesting thing to see, say, for example, going into 9 and 10, down into turn, or even 6 through 10, and then down into 11. They've thought about it as a strategic, this is how we increase overtaking throughout the track rather than just, well, there's just one problematic corner and then it not really have much of a long-term impact elsewhere in the race. No, I think that's a really interesting point that you make there. And as well, it's not just been you know, people who aren't racing fans making these decisions. They have got a really good team over there at the Albert Park circuit. Mm-hmm. But they've also been getting some advice from the honey badger, Daniel Ricardo. He um, admitted at the start of the year that he has had input into the circuit changes. So he said, I think with a new design at Albert Park, it's really focused on improving the racing, the spectacle for Sunday to create more opportunities for overtaking. Once again, providing us fans what we want to hear. He's continued saying, it's a beautiful 
circuit, which I do agree. It looks stunning. Like when you see the overhead aerial shots, it just looks beautiful. It's a beautiful circuit, but it's always been quite narrow and tight and therefore quite tricky to overtake. So we've really tried to exploit some areas to allow for more slipstreaming and more chances to overtake under braking. Well, that's his speciality. How convenient. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a really different spectacle this time around. Um, that's why I was really happy that a bunch of us drivers were consulted on this. We were allowed to give thoughts and input. Every driver, we might not be aligned, but I think the purpose of this is to make Sunday better. And I had that in mind when I gave my input. Do you think he's also said, can you put like a sneaky little shortcut down here that only I know about? And <laughs> like you say, maybe end the uh, Danny Rick uh home race curse that he seems to have as we've mentioned before but yeah what do you think to getting drivers inputs to um circuit designs do you think it's a good idea or do you think maybe they should leave it to um you know maybe ex drivers or other racing professionals and not current f1 drivers I completely agree that you should have drivers kind of at the forefront when any not even just when a circuit's being adjusted when you're designing them from the get-go, I think that's, with a lot of the old drivers, I'd say the only difficulty you do have, say, for example, if you've had a driver that raced 20, 30 years ago, is they're not racing the Comisella cars. It'll be interesting, given Ricardo's comments, these were done when they were racing the old cars, not the new cars, whether his feedback or what he would have liked to have seen would change given the new cars. I think that's quite an interesting dynamic. But for me, is having them every track, wherever they go to, should have feedback from the current drivers, from ex drivers, because I think as well, there's certain things that may be, depending on your different driving styles, whether you like a car that overstays or understays, can also depend on how you like a track to form. Some drivers might like more of an uphill climb, others might like sharp turns in or high fast, um, high speed sections. And I think by having that input, it also actually helps the Alba Park circuit organisers if drivers turn around and say oh we don't like the track like previously saying that it was outdated and it didn't have fit the modern F1 era if they turn around and say oh we don't actually like the changes they can turn back and say we actually took your feedback if you don't like it yeah don't they it kind of actually negates that whole argument of anyone saying oh we don't like the changes because they've actually helped them put into them and it hopefully means if things I'm hoping things don't need to be changed but I also think Albert Park's not kind of like Spa, Silverstone or like Monaco where they're kind of untouchable unless it's safety changes. I think with Albert Park, you can develop it. And I have to agree. The one thing I'm just glad they haven't changed is as long as they still have those aerial shots because mm, Albert Park is just... And trees and yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Because it is, um, you know, we compare it to places like Spa, like Monza, which are obviously permanent circuits, but Albert Park is literally in the mm. middle of a recreational area it's just a public park <laughs> that gets turned into a racetrack um during f1 weekends which i think is awesome so yeah got to make sure that those changes as well um don't disrupt the poor civilians of <laughs> melbourne and just completely rip up their park for the sake of some overtaking so yeah quite a big task for for the australian grand prix organizers but very excited to see how it turns out um now I'm going to go into some of our 
Grand Prix predictions that myself, Tommy and Matt made. Hannah, be having a think of one. We won't make it an official prediction, but oh. maybe you can put to get put in a prediction as well. But I'll um, while you're thinking of that, I'll remind listeners of what we have predicted. So Matt has said that he thinks that one Mercedes won't make Q3. And he's also said Haas no points. So he is thinking that the Haas Melbourne curse is continuing. I've said Ferrari poll, which I got a lot of stick for because I think that's <laughs> possibly quite a likely one. But, you know, got to get those points, Hannah. Um, exactly. And I've also said Magnussen top five in quality. But yeah, that is if his neck doesn't give in and his neck's feeling a bit better. And Tommy's gone for at least four DNFs. Russell makes it 2-1 in quality. So Russell will out quite outqualify Hamilton and the fans shady underscore man United says science is getting his first win. Love the uh, enthusiasm. Um, app one five 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 says a new team on the podium for 2022 and Robert underscore Epner said both McLaren's out of the points. Now, Hannah, after listening to some of those predictions, what are your vibe? What are you feeling for the Australian Grand Prix? You don't have to give two. I'll let you have one. Cause I have sprung this on you last minute. <laughs> Oh, though I say is I had some of them in mind, but I think I'm going to just go over and I'm going to go Mick Schumacher scores his first point. Like it. I think he's got a lot got of form. Yeah. yeah. I think that could be quite a possibility because, of course, he won't have raced here in Formula One before. So it's going to be a new circuit for him. Mm. But um, yeah, I think. That could be a good one. Obviously, he will be racing after his horror crash that he had in Saudi, which meant he didn't take part in the actual race itself. So it'd be good to have him back behind the wheel of the Haas. Um, and yeah, there's going to be probably quite a few drivers that haven't driven here before, in F1 at least, because yeah. we've had quite a few rookies since the pandemic <laughs> pandemic yeah. started. So um, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting one. Uh, but yeah, Ferrari, I feel looking at how their pace is at the moment and also previous history of the Australian Grand Prix. I mean, Seb Vettel won here in 2017 and 2018 um, and Kimi joined him on the podium at one point. I think that was an 18. So yeah, it's a circuit that the Ferrari is normally quite strong at. So do you think we're going to be seeing some more Ferrari dominance this weekend or do you think maybe Red Bull could shake things up? Because Verstappen was on the podium in 2019. So, you know, it's happened once before. Maybe he can get a few steps higher. Yeah, see, I'm kind of agreeing with you. I think it'll be more of a Ferrari track. You've seen previously how well Mercedes have done that. I think it does tend to kind of be more of a power circuit. I think for a lot of the drivers, if you've got that engine speed and of the two of them at the moment, the Ferrari reliability is looking a little bit better than Red Bulls. So I would say, after thinking about it, with that prediction saying Science gets his first win, I'm like, that could be a possibility because he's won decently well them in the past I think it's one of them circuits that if there are a lot of retirements and things do get shaken up then there are plenty of opportunities now for them to take them I think Sainz has got every race that goes by that he's behind his teammate he's got more to prove I think Verstappen will be on the podium but I'm I'm actually I might actually agree and go Sainz for the win as much as I think maybe a Leclerc the stop and battle that maybe one of them gets tagged, puncture, sights wins. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit that as my prediction. 
Okay, I like it. I think that's a, a good prediction and we'll see if it comes true. Only got a week to wait. Um, oh. And yeah, very much looking forward to to the Grand Prix. Obviously, a few other little things to tick off news bits. Sebastian Vettel will be back for it, which is very exciting. Um, other news that's happened today, Daniel Ricciardo has revealed he's launching some more wine oh. with a shoey decanter which holds an entire <laughs> bottle of wine which I'll be honest I woke up this morning at like 5 a.m I'm clearly my body clock's already <laughs> trying to put me on Aussie time here um and I looked at my phone and I watched that video and I th- I think I was still dreaming because <laughs> I was like what on earth is this this isn't real um and then no I woke up again a few hours later and was like oh no he really has revealed a glass wine decanter that's like the perfect mold to his foot <laughs> clearly oh, everybody was like it. yeah it's like oh I need that yeah and it's 700 which is quite a lot of money um but yeah, like you say, only Danny Rick could uh, could get away with something like that. And I'm sure he will sell them as well because people love a shoey. People want to be able to do a shoey. Um, but yeah, I think that pretty much wraps everything up on this podcast. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining me on this. You've been an amazing addition. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And I'm sure this won't be the last time either. Um, do you want to tell people where they can find you on socials or like plug anything? Obviously plug the WTF1 website that you work so hard <laughs> on. <laughs> but anything else that you kind of want to plug or talk about? I was going to say, for anyone that's wondering about K-Mag's neck, go and read um, just an article covering Gunther Steiner's new nickname for him. And Ooh. I just think, poor Kevin, getting roasted by your own team boss. Like, he probably thought odds. he left all of that behind. <laughs> and now it's he's coming back and getting bullied. It's a new era for their like, team principal driver bromance. But in terms of social, so yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Hannah Products. So P-R-Y-D-E-R-C-H, just because I know someone will tweet me going, how do we spell your name? <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of all me on socials and yeah, I can find out. Also, if I'm doing for WTF for another bits and bobs I'm getting up to. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. And thank you again to everybody that's listened to this podcast. Um, I think Matt and I might be back to towards the end of the week, maybe after a practice session or two to do another podcast. But yeah, for now, um, please make sure that you've liked and subscribed and done everything, given us five stars, commented, telling everyone how it's your favorite podcast in the whole wide world and uh, enjoy the week. Hopefully you can get through it okay and we'll be ready for some practice and some quality and some racing at the weekend. So yeah, thanks so much again, guys. And we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. I always do a little wave. (laughs) I don't even need to. (laughs) It's habit. I can't help it. But yeah, bye. (gasps)